listeners and welcome once again to another episode of Homeschooling Matters where we talk about matters pertaining to homeschooling as well as the value of homeschooling. And because as homeschooling parents we spend a lot more time with our children than the average parent who works outside of the home, we will be discussing some parenting matters as well. Now remember the thrust for this season is organic learning and I have on the line with me one such educator all right she's a mom of three her name is mrs Josanne cox and i'm so privileged to have her this morning with us while we discuss about these educational parenting and homeschooling matters okay so we're going to be delving into this particular episode now it's going to give you a little bit of an insight into exactly what this particular parent's version of homeschooling slash unschooling is and what it looks like okay so good morning Josanne. how are you I am well, Nikki, thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. You know, the thrust for this particular season is organic learning. That's where I'm focusing more on because as I was telling the listeners, since this whole COVID lockdown, pandemic, etc., I have been forced to revisit even my homeschooling methods, okay? And while, you know, we were very much with the hands-on learning as well as the academic slash quote-unquote bookwork, that was a major part of us and how we did school. But what I have found is that with the little ones, because when I see they are interested in a particular topic, how much they are willing to just pursue it until they get every ounce of information that they, that they can out of it. I have really been leaning a lot more towards the spectrum of unschooling. So before we go into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. All right. So I am a homeschooling parent. Oh, I have three children, mm-hmm. um, but my nephew who lives with us. So there's, and I school him as well, of course. So there are four children here. Okay. Who I love. Yeah. And um, I have been an educator for, I don't know, over 10 years, I think probably 13 or 14 years by now. So I taught at primarily at-risk schools, what we call at-risk, but I prefer to do promise mm-hmm. um, at, uh, at all levels. Um, I like that, uh, at promise schools, because they do have promise. They do have purpose and destiny. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, most I love definitely. that. So I've taught all the way through uh, preschool to secondary school. I've also trained teachers. Yeah, and that, that's about it in terms of... But I, I, my, my heart is in the classroom. My heart is with the at promise children, right. particularly adolescents. Right. And what yeah. are the ages of your children and your nephew now? I have... Uh, my eldest is 10. And then there's an eight. My son is eight. And both my nephew and my youngest are seven. Okay. The eldest is a girl. Yeah. Okay, good. So your chosen method of homeschooling or home education is really unschooling. Now, when people hear the term unschooling, they are probably like, oh, I don't want to touch it up with a 10-foot pole. But really, what is unschooling? Tell us about it from your perspective. All right. So unschooling would look differently, you know, for everybody just as homeschooling does. That's right. Um, right. So it really is centered upon the epistemic belief that children are in charge of their entire learning, mm-hmm. you know. And that what what is a return to the original meaning of the word to educate, which means to to draw out from, mm-hmm. you know, to take what is already naturally there, inherently there, and to help facilitate growth. So really, what you are as an as an educator is really a learning associate because um, what happens with us, and I'll just jump into that quickly, is that um, I learn from them, they learn from me. So at the start of the term, we well. We, we call it a term. Most unschoolers probably will not use that that term. Term, mm-hmm. but um, 
we decide on okay what what do we want to learn mm-hmm. what new things do we want to aspire to what new things do we want to you know learn about so for example um, the children want to uh, my daughter she wants to learn how to do gel nails right you know I have a 12 year old who wants to do the same thing. Well, not gel nails, but just nails in general. So yeah, anything beauty, she's very much into. (laughs) So I get it. Yeah, so gel nails and braiding hair. And so we bought the mannequin head and she works on that. She's very much into natural hair. Right. You know? Yeah. And um, and then my son, he's he's into like making juices and that sort of thing. So Mm. what we've encouraged him to do is to plant as well. Mm -hmm. You know? Awesome. A few trees, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, all that is all that is encouraged, you know. So and and as for me, as for me, the I wanted to learn how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. You know, last year, last year they taught me how to skip, how to um to jump rope. Wow, you know. And <laughs> so I have always had um difficulty with my motor skills, mm-hmm. and it's it's things along that line. So this term I want to learn how to to ride a bike and how to swim. So. They said they'll help me out with that, you know. That is awesome. Yeah. You know, and, and as parents, we tend to think that we are in charge and we know it all. But I have found myself, just as you said, learning right alongside my children. Because I don't know if you follow the family's page, Living Large. But just recently, our six-year-old, he turned six in September, Jesse. And I had shared a little bit of his story because unlike his older siblings, he didn't start reading at three, three and a half, right? He was having difficulty navigating the phonetics and everything. And, you know what? Because when he came along, by the time he came along and I discovered all that I learned through our fourth child, I realized, you know, there's no rush in education. Education is lifelong. And so there's no rush to get them to reach a particular benchmark by a particular age because guess what i have the freedom to educate my children at home but what i what it has facilitated though yes we are working on his reading and he has come a long way he's already in book four um and he only recently started that in i think it was september started with a book one and which is the sun start series and he's in the book four now but he is now so enamored with marine life that he wants to learn everything there is to learn about sharks specifically and whales, mammals, right? So um, he has been learning all of these things, all of these fantastic facts about these animals, Josanne, and I am blown away because there is no stopping him because it's of interest to him. He is just getting information and educating not only himself about these animals, but also the entire family. And well, of course, we've put a couple of his videos up on the page and even grown folks are saying, wow, Jesse, I've learned so much about these animals. Thanks to you. If you, he will ask you, mommy, what, what, what sharks live in our waters? And he will go and he do, I said, well, okay, well, you research it. And so he asked me that once, twice. And then all of a sudden he's now looking at different countries around the world and he can tell me, okay, well, these sharks inhabit these waters or these whales or this particular marine life can be found here there and everywhere so you're very very correct where you say we are just supposed to be um associates associate educators or associate we learn right along with them we facilitate them and you know one of the episodes i have for this um season as well is entrepreneurship i did share one Uh before but look at your son he's interested in juicing you know i have my daughter who does the cupcakes i have this other one who does all things beauty and fashion And we have been duped into thinking that you have to go through a particular 
or you have to be along a particular path before you could start even thinking entrepreneurship. So you have to go to school for how many other years, 14 years or whatever years, and then you probably go to university and, and do a couple of courses before you can branch out into whatever your niche or your field of interest is. But you are facilitating your son if he wants to get into juicing, maybe agriculture, maybe farming, right? You're facilitating your daughter with the gel nails and these things. And that is what I, I, I'm trying to get parents to understand as well. Gifted hands. All of our children are gifted, you know, and it's up to us to unearth those giftings and talents within them. So great, great job with that, Josanne. That's excellent. I'm so happy to hear you saying that because it does lend credence to what I will be sharing about a little later on in this season. So Josanne, tell us what a typical day looks like for you guys. But as I said, when people hear unschooling, you probably think you're just vegging out, watching television, doing everything that's against school. You know, what does a typical day look like? Right, so uh, there's there's no typical day really, but I, um, I know that. But for their for their benefit, <laughs> no, no, no. What what I what I do start the day with is a session on uh, what we would term spirituality or character building. Right. And what what we use actually um, are Aesop's fables, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so and it's really really old English type. Right, I have it too. Really, <laughs> yeah. So. We do, I do that reading, but while I'm reading, they're acting it out, but they're acting it out as to how a Trinidadian would say it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm very much, yes, I am very much into um, our own uh, language and very find it very much as a language in its own right, with its, with its own semantics and um, uh, phonetic structure and so on. And, and, and what we do is code switch. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. Um, so they're acting it out, they're, they're, they're becoming the story itself and then the characters in the story and then what we might do afterwards is speak to the character. So they're still in character at the end and we're asking, you know, so why did you do this particular thing? What, um, and, and tell us more about yourself. Mm-hmm. And and we come, and of course the children would all have their own moral. So there's no one moral to the story. There's no one lesson learned. Everybody right. would have something different that they gleaned from mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know? And then who does that apply to? Um, our, our spiritual life, um, personally, as well as our application to, to the world itself, you know, to other people, right. you know, so that, that's very important for us in terms of, you know, that, that type of grounding. I can tell you what happened yesterday, yesterday, well, we live, um, on a, I guess on the base of a hill and just uh, a pathway into the forest, right? So um, we did a tug of war yesterday, um, the to the, the two elder ones and well it was an, an, an incline but that wasn't just a game of tug of war now i'm very impulsive i didn't plan this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that that game of tug of war turned into a lesson actually on privilege and um and on gravitational force and privilege in terms of um like my daughter she had the privilege of um oh let me let me just say this so it wasn't just tug of war they also had a, a, a rock on either side of them that they had to reach to. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm able to help them. To I think I'm visualizing it. it. So, mm-hmm. Right. So each of them had a rock behind them about two feet away from them. So that was the goal they had to reach. They had to either one pick up the, the stone, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so my daughter won because she was at the base of the incline, you know? Mm. And we, right. So, so she had gravity to help her along. Yeah. And the slope. Mm-hmm. 
And then we drew reference then to privilege and what does that, and then you exchange places. And you see where, and my son said, you see, you know, I won because I was in this particular position, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Great lesson. So drew, yeah, so we drew comparison to her, be, to either of them being on the incline and they not, yes, they worked hard, but not as hard as the person who was at the top. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, so we, we drew all of that out. So we talk about what type of privilege does that person to the bottom of the, of the incline have? And they spoke about, okay, perhaps being born into a good family, mm -hmm. you know, and, and having resource and having support and encouragement and so on. So the person to the top of the incline now, it wasn't just him being to the top, it, it was also mossy. So yeah. he was slipping, slipping yeah. away from his away from his goal. So we talk about that. You know what 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 was that moss like? What does that moss represent? We talk about um, it being you know not having something to eat on the mo in the morning. Um, probably coming out of a homeless that's partly abusive. abusive you know, yeah. on all those different things came out. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah. So there was there was um, there was sociology there. There was science there. You know, and of course there, there was the physical education. So um, so we three don't subjects in one. <laughs> Yeah, we don't mm -hmm. teach subject, you know. Yes. Um, we, we teach, and I say we because, I mean, it's all of us learning from each other. That's right. You know, and... And, and children's perspectives yeah. are really amazing, you know, when we give them a chance and, and you can really listen to what they have to say. They have some awesome perspectives, you know. You know, but again, yeah. because the conventional method says you sit down, be quiet and let me tell you what I know. And we don't really give place for them sharing what they, how they interpret and their perception. We lose out, I think, as adults, we, we lose out, you know, by not affording mm -hmm. ourselves the privilege of hearing what they have to say. Well, uh, yeah, and I will say this too. When I was in the classroom, I, I taught mainly boys, adolescent boys. And mm -hmm. what I found with them, I needed to take them out, mm -hmm. you know, they you know, if it's a matter of just setting up uh, our chairs outside, mm -hmm. you know, which was kind of kind of risky sometimes because of the area, you know. Yeah. But um, we I, I felt I we we felt fairly safe, you know, because you know most of the boys and they were from the area and so. On. But um, they just needed they they naturally I think naturalistic learners. So mm -hmm. everything I, I I tell people, you know, my my students taught me how to teach. You know, right. and I was given a fair amount of autonomy in the classroom itself, which I then passed on to them, you know, and asked that question, asked the question, what do you all want to learn? And I mean, you picked, you, you, you spoke to it earlier about, you know, um, doing what they want to learn is, is half the job done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're being motivated into their own learning. Yeah, because they're interested <sighs> and invested. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, as you know, I hear parents ask, how do I get my child interested in learning? Just, just you know, teach them what they want to learn. Yeah. And that's well, half the battle, and, uh, if not more than. <laughs> you know, so like, for example, and I think it calls for a measure of open-mindedness, too. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, my daughter, she is, she, she loves gymnastics. You know, she's always doing some move. You know, she's, ne she, she's never still. Mm -hmm. All right, so <laughs> what? Um, that's the youngest one. Um, so I I look at her and you know I I see different positions that she might be in, and then I introduce mathematical concepts, you mm -hmm. know, like different types of angles, you know, where you look at you know you're making an obtuse angle there, mm -hmm. you, you know, mm -hmm. we talk about what that is, mm -hmm. you know. So and what I found to oh, and then well yesterday again, um. We, we, we sat on the forest floor and we did, I had some multiplication um, 
what do you call it, the flashcards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we sat there and and we we went through it and you know and it was just it was just so easy. Yeah, yeah. You know, just so light and just so easy. And I think again, going back into that naturalistic space where where they feel, especially the boys, I think you know, are very alive. Yeah, more comfortable, more free. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because you know, outside and you know, and, and more I times, no bo- yeah, but mm-hmm. most times boys need more movement than girls would. So being able to cater sure. to all of their all of their needs, you know, so today we might go out and we hang out in the forest. Another time we may sit inside, maybe have a picnic indoors or something. We may move, you know, but everybody gets a place and a space to be who they are and who they need to be. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I do the same thing from time to time. Sometimes we may have a, a picnic in the backyard. Um, Pre-COVID, we would pick up ourselves summers and just go to the the hollows or to the gardens or something. And we do school there. Now, school, that, mean, that doesn't mean we are toting books and stuff. And that's what I told people. Eh? You know, there are people who thought that because we are homeschoolers and we are at home all the time, usually, that we were not affected by this entire pandemic and the lockdown. I'm like, no, 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 you are sadly mistaken. I said, because the trip to, gro- to the grocery store was a lesson for our children. You know, it's a lesson in mathematics, it's a lesson in, in making correct choices, it's a lesson in economics yeah. and all these different things, you know. Um, sometimes we, the freedom to, for example, if we are doing some part of botany and we're looking at the different um, flora and, 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 and stuff, the flora and fauna, we had the freedom to go, whether it be to the zoo or to go down to the neighborhood park and look at the different animals that we'll see roaming around, the butterflies, the different types of birds, because we have lots of birds in this area. And we could observe those things. And so when we had those restrictions upon us, we couldn't do those things anymore. So I told people, I said, you know, in schools, field trips were probably once a term, if you're lucky, depending on the teacher you had, but more than likely, maybe once a year. I said, but in homeschooling, almost every day, every week, you had a field trip. Even the ones to the grocery store were full. They were full of educational nuggets, yes, but also fun. It was engaging. It was life learning. You know, life was the classroom. Is the classroom for the homeschoolers or home educators like, like us? All right. Um. So, so you basically do you have a school time? How many hours of work, quote unquote, is done? Talk to us about that. Um. We generally started around nine, mm-hmm. and uh, I will say this we. I don't want to use the word formal, but okay, I, I will say this. Um, I take my time for my own mental health mm-hmm. and I, uh, my, my, my me time, I take that very seriously, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, there is a cutoff point for me um, in, terms of, in terms of where I, when I go engage in my own space and I, I, I like being in my head a lot. So, and whether it's out... Um, hiking or running and, and that kind of thing. So, and I think um, as the main homeschooling parent, um, it's it's important to to do that, right? Absolutely. Um, to be able to build myself in order to to build on them. Yeah, because you know, we really can't pour from empty cups. Them, That's correct. You know, and, and then too, you know, um, you know, you, you know, yes, we're, we're, we're we are wives and we are mothers, but I, I, I'm a woman first, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, so yeah, there's a cut-off point for me, like say, say around half past three, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and then of course, but you see, the thing is, they they encourage in their own, they encourage to, to learn on their own, you right. know. So the learning does not stop for them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So while they have no concept of homework, 
which is which is something I I I, I could never stand at all. I never saw the purpose of it. Um, yeah, they they continue. They but they're learning in their own way. They my 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 son, you know, he goes onto YouTube because he loves the kitchen, mm-hmm. and he. Um, yeah, he, he looks up recipes and I see him there. And th- that is not something I told him that you should do. That's right. You know, is I all I do is encourage, encourage him and I say, okay, well, you know, should we just at least, because when I'm ready to, to, to cook, you know, sometimes I don't find the ingredients. All I ask him is to, you know, please let me know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what you're using or what I need to replace, Yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so they, that, so they, they continue on their way and, um, I, I have my time. As yeah, well, I, I, I really do love that. And that's what I keep saying. That's what homeschooling does. It facilitates a love of learning. If it's done the right way, that is. It facilitates. So even when we, on this end, we close the books, you know, learning is still ongoing. You know, it could be through, well, we do our Aesop fables at night, right? Um, um. And so that's the bedtime story for them. So there's learning even just before they go to bed. They may learn something morally. Of course, we do. We start our day with our spiritual, our Bible, that kind of thing as well. That's important. That's important to start the day that way. But when we end off, yes, we pray. But the last story would usually be an Aesop fable. And we speak a little bit about the moral value that was taught there and what they understood about it, that kind of thing. So definitely I hear you. So, I mean, as I said, it doesn't have to happen during the day between 8 and 2. It can happen throughout the day, even in your presence and out, outside of your presence, in your absence. Okay, so that's awesome. Uh-huh. So do you have any um, any regrets about choosing to educate your children yourself? I didn't have a choice. <laughs> um, no, it was, a, <laughs> it was a series of unfortunate events. that um, Because it, it started with childcare, which is, you know, in a desperate situation in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're willing to see through your, your nose, mm-hmm. you know, um, to get appropriate, safe childcare that will give you a peace of mind. Um, yeah, so that's what I did. I was picking through my nose until, um, well, yeah, and then, well, it started with the childcare, and then it was like, okay, well, I'm a teacher, so I might as well just just mm-hmm. continue on this, mm-hmm. you know. But I, but I loved my job. I I was pretty good at it, and I loved my students. They were my own, mm-hmm. you know, and and. But again, so I was, when I was in the classroom, um, you know, I would be the type of teacher to devote to them the time and, and, you know, even, you know, asking God, you know, how do I reach this particular child, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm. you know, help me to help him, you know, on the other end now, my children weren't getting that. That's right. Right. That type of effort and that type of commitment and love. Yeah. Commitment and love, exactly. So, I, 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 matter of fact, it was a bit of. But before I started pinching my nose, it was a bit of neglect. And then, of course, you know this this life, you know. And then we we settled into it, and and I'm pretty happy. Right. You know, they did. You know, my children are happy. What do you and, think of the? Okay, you faded out a little bit there. I didn't hear the last thing you said. No, I say everything as well. Okay, All good. As well. Good. What are the benefits you think of this method that you have chosen as opposed to regular um, homeschooling or conventional schooling? Well, that that's that's just it. Um, just just the children being allowed to be themselves. Mm-hmm. There is no, um, to say, you you know you must meet reach this milestone, mm-hmm. or you are in standard three now, or you are you 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 just are. Yeah, yeah, the fluid. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're just allowed to be. You're just yeah. allowed to learn, and in your space, you're you're competing against yourself. That's right. 
And that's a good lesson for going forward into life anyway. Do you get any flack from parents, whether they be homeschoolers or otherwise, about your choice to educate the way that you have chosen to educate? Because you don't um, have like basically a curriculum or anything that you're following, right? So no. do, you, do you get any flack from anybody when they I hear what you're know. doing? I'm not, I'm not sure how this might come across, but that, that requires me to care. <laughs> good answer, good answer. <laughs> Um, if, if, if they do, um, you're oblivious. It doesn't matter to me. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. Say no more. (laughs) So, yes, say say no more. But Josanne, this is my last question for you. What are your plans for the future of their education? I mean, if you're going to be going this particular route, we live in Trinidad and Tobago. And of course, you know, they have to you know, depending, they may have to do our regular exams, CXC, CSEC, um, that kind of thing. What are your plans concerning them? Do you plan to homeschool all the way through secondary school? You're going to stop at, at the end of primary, send them off? What are your plans? Well, you think what, what, what really happens after secondary school? Whatever, what, what happens really after what form five, you know, what you come out with, seven CXC subjects and, and, and then what? And then what, yeah. yeah. So... It really is up to them, you know. I will continue encouraging them in whatever, wherever their heart is, wherever their innate skills are. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, no, they won't be doing SE. I think that's that's just a waste of time, mm-hmm. to be honest. Because mm-hmm. what, what that does is measure. Um, it's just memorization as opposed to metacognition, right? You know. So I will continue with them. They will continue uh, whatever skills. I, I and I'm big on on TVET, on technical and vocational skills because mm-hmm. I, I believe it to be academics in action that's right so also like for example um when we have when i come over the children are all, especially my son you know he's always outside same here <laughs> same jesse especially outside. they're always yeah. right up with the workmen and they, they help and i and you know i ask i ask you know you know if, if they could look on and you know they encourage them to, of course to put, you know, tools and, tools and my, they could they can do a lot of things around the house and i'm happy about it yeah you know yeah. my my son was the one who taught me how to use power tools, mm-hmm. you know, because, yeah. And, um, uh, right. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go at these CXC subjects, maybe one a year or two a year, depending on, you know, what I see, uh, uh each child might be capable of, mm-hmm. but at the end of, let's say, I don't know, five, six years or whatever, they will also have skills. That's right. Which you is know, more important. Also to make, you know, to not just save money by being able to do things on your own, but but to make money as well. That's right. You know, because in light of everything that has happened, Josanne, I mean, some people have lost their office jobs and their employment that way, but skills men, they are still working because the plumbing is still, still the plumbing is still is still falling um falling apart in some cases. You know, your house still needs yeah. this repair, that repair, and you still need to call those guys. So I wish we would stop looking down on those technical and vocational skills. In fact, that is why I started the Gifted Hands program that I did, was it last year before, 2019 was when I started it, August 2019. Hoped to continue last year, but of course with the pandemic I had to slow things down. Um I'm hopeful to resume them because I really do believe that every single child is gifted and that, you know, 
one of my jobs, apart from unearthing my own kids, is to do it for other people's children because most people were so busy, they didn't have the time. So the softer skills, you know, the sewing and the cooking and that kind of thing, I'm doing that. But again, on that particular page, Living Large, people are amazed at the number of things that I do. And it's just because when I was growing up with my single parent mom and my great-grandmother, um, she used to do a lot of things. She wasn't into power tools and stuff, but I saw her because she was a single parent working very hard um, to ensure that I had everything that I needed and even wanted. But she used to just do things and fix things. And she was a go-getter, you know. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I still miss her so much because she just passed four months ago. Um, and it's uh. still very hard to deal with because she was not old. She was not sickly or anything. It was a very sudden um, passing, you know, and I mean, I'm talking about, and I'm starting to tear up, but I learned that go-getter mentality from my mom. And I guess I just took it to a whole other level. And so actually when I'm finished with this interview, I have another one and then I'm going to get right back onto my power tools. I have something I want to build for the bathroom and all of these things I put up on the page. And I am putting these things up just to show people like, you know, you can save some money by doing these things yourself. And people are asking me to, order, they want to order, order the things. So whereas one source or one stream of income has seemingly dried up for me, where, where the business of Daughters of the King is concerned, because I can't travel, our borders are still closed, here is a possibility, if I decide to take up on it, to make things that people would love for their homes. And my eldest son, he's at university now, um, of course, doing it from home. And he's like, yeah. mommy, I would be your apprentice because he's realizing the amount of orders that I'm getting for things. I have other things that I'm doing. I don't have the time to sit down and be, you know, just building. So all of a sudden he is now interested. And so I'm teaching him mm -hmm. and he can uh -huh. probably take it out, take it over and get this as a source of income for himself. You know, you, you just never know, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah. Josanna, I'm so grateful that you took the time to speak with me this morning and to share what you've been doing with your children, I think is absolutely phenomenal. And I wish you all God's best for this year and beyond. Um, may he continue to bless the fruit of your lips and the fruit of your hands and that your children, your family, whatever businesses you guys may have may prosper and that you guys remain in good health as well to continue what you're doing. This is really awesome. Thank you so much. And like you said, you know, unschooling looks different for everyone, just like homeschooling looks different for everyone. It's all based on your family, your family size, your children. They're all unique, right? But I'm sure there's something that Josanne shared here today, something that I may have shared today and before um, or during the lifetime of this podcast that may be of benefit to you guys. So I pray that you guys will take a good listen, do some introspection and examine whether it be homeschooling or unschooling for your families going forward. Thanks so much again, Josanne. Anything you want to leave with us or that's it? <laughs> no, just thanks for having me, Nikki. Okay, always a pleasure, honey. Thanks so much again.